is thirsty, Jesus has come. Rivers of living water, he that believeth, Scripture has said. Let's uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Now I want to uh, continue where I left off last week. Now I'm going to probably deal with some Greek words, and if you don't understand, that's all right. Because in the Bible, remember that the Old, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the translators use English words, of course, or we wouldn't be able to read it, to translate the Greek words, and sometimes the words, some words are translated very similar or with the same English word, but you're dealing with two different Greek words, or in the case of what we're going to look at later, you have two Greek words that are tied together. They're, they're close in relationship. One word stems from another word, but in the English, they translate it with two different English words, or sometimes the same English word. So, how about I didn't confuse you with that? Anyway, let's uh, begin in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, in verse 1, Paul writes to the uh, church in Ephesus, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So in, in my translation, and yours also, the, the words he made alive are italicized, which means they added that, which is fine because it's true. And it, it, it flows with what else, uh, some of the other verses here. We were all dead in trespasses and sin. Now, it's hard to believe that when you hold a little baby, a little infant in your arms, that infant, because of the sin of Adam, the sin has come down, the trespass comes down, and it's in that nature. And that can be seen when the child begins to grow, you don't ever have to tell the child uh, what's wrong. You have to child, tell the child what's right. They, they all gravitate toward what's wrong, eventually. So we were all born this way. Uh, we were dead. We were dead to God. We were alive physically, but we were dead to God. Verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, or according to this present age. There's a present age we live in, there's a present world system, and it says in the Bible, the whole world lies in wickedness. So the majority of what goes on in the world, and you're aware of this, if you even watch the news, you're aware that the whole world lies in wickedness, and that wickedness comes out through the heart of man. So we, were, we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and that, that's meaning Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So there are spiritual forces that are behind the activities of men today in government and so on, all the governments, not just one, all of them. And uh, there are spiritual forces that want to dictate the destiny of man. So spiritual forces will work to keep a person in bondage, to keep a person walking according to the course of this world. They keep a person walking 
in this sinful life, the sinful nature that they were born with. And the word here, according to, is a, a Greek preposition. It's kata, and it actually means down. It's, it's translated okay here, because it's translated according to in, in various places, but it actually means down. And see, that's where the enemy of your soul wants to take you. That's where he wants to take mankind. That's where he wants to take governments. He wants to take them down. And what I mean by that is down into their lower nature, down into sin, and keep them there because that's, if they function in that place, then, then he's won the battle. He can go work on someone else. So in the NIV, it says this for verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. See, we all followed the ways of this world at a certain point. You know, when, when there was an intervention in your life and in my life by the Lord, then that course that we were taking in the world, the sin that was in our life that affected us and others, now there's an intervention and the Spirit of God changes a person's life. You know, we call being born again, receiving Christ. But there's an intervention where the Lord changes something within and now that person is set on a different course. If they want to stay on that course, the Lord will be with them. He'll work for them. Uh, he'll work in them. And he'll work through them if they desire. And, and so if you're willing, you can become a Christian and you can remain a Christian all of your life. I became a Christian in my early 20s. And the first thing I said is, Lord, why did you wait so long to find me? <laughs> now I've been around a long time. I came into the church, I was the youngest person. Now I'm almost the oldest person. Well, that's all right. See, I left the course of this world, and I walk in a different way. And what had taken place in my life has changed me, and has changed me for all eternity, not just for now, but for all eternity. Verse 3. Among whom also, now, now I wanted to, to say this, now, in verse 2, you have this word, English word, work, the spirit that now works. The word works is this word energio, and it, it means the energy to, to do, to accomplish, to toil, whatever. Okay, so there, there was this, and still is this energy in the world that moves those or energizes those in the world to fulfill their own desires, their own lust, their own sin, their, their own direction in life, what they want. And so the powers of darkness will influence a person's will through their mind to use this energy to move according to the lower nature, the sinful nature. But if you go back into chapter 1, verse 11, in him, meaning in Christ, also we, 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 those of you who have received him, we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works. That's the same word, energio. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. So you have these two different things moving. There's actually three I want to show you. You have 
the energy or the energy of uh, this world, of the, the, um, the prince of the power of the air, or of the lower nature to produce that which is, is ruin, destruction, and so on in the life and in the lives of others. And then you have contrary to that, you have the energio of the Lord or the energy of God that wants to set you on a different path, a different course, so that now your life has meaning, now your life has purpose, now you can move in a certain way in which you receive a reward later, and you'll receive a reward now. You move in, in the blessing of God, and you're an overcomer. All these different things now become possible in the life of those who are energized by the Lord, by the Spirit of God. And then in verse 20, the same word, which He, meaning the Father, worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. This energio is powerful. It can be actually sensed, it can be felt, but not always. You don't have to feel it to know that you're being moved a certain way. It's, you know, in Galatians, Paul talks about walking in the Spirit. Well, when you walk in the Spirit, uh, if you're able to understand, if the Lord teaches you how to walk in the Spirit, which He will, now you're being energized, not by this world system or uh, the prince of the power of the air, but you're being energized by something quite different You're being energized by the Spirit of God to walk in this life according to the Spirit of the Lord, or the will of God. So back in verse 3, "...among whom also we once in the past conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh." And the lust of the flesh, let me read this, is immorality, this is what Paul says, immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, uh, anger, ill-temper, selfishness, division, uh, factions, drunkenness, envy, carousing, and he goes, and the like, which means there's more to it, but he just listed some of them. These are the works of the flesh that the enemy of your soul wants you to be energized in doing. So maybe you had anger issue, or maybe you were, uh, before you came to the Lord, you had a problem with alcohol, or maybe you were a woman chaser or a man chaser, whatever. You, maybe you were addicted to sex. It could be anything. And so you were energized by the God of this world, who's Satan, or the, the prince of the power of the air. You were energized to move and do and function in that lust, that desire, uh, the lust of your flesh. So the Lord intervenes, thank God. He intervened for all of us here. And He took us from that course and moved us in another way. So he says, we all conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. The King James says he quickened us. He made us alive with Christ. Now, that's quite a work to take someone who's dead. You know, we know in, in John, is it John 12, where, or 11, where Lazarus, he's, he's dead, he's in the tomb. But that doesn't stop Jesus from making him alive physically. So we know that story, we're familiar with that. But see, the Lord can do that today and does do that today. A person who was dead in trespasses in sin, they were dead to God. They were dead to the purpose of God. He intervenes, he he comes into that life, he changes that life, and now there's a resurrection. Those who were dead, now they are alive in Christ. And that life now is coupled with this energio to move in a certain way. So that, you know, it's not that, you know, I, I try, I try, I try, I try, I try not to go to the bar. I, the Lord has worked in my life. I have no desire to go to these places. That's way, 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 way in the past. You know, but at one point, I had that desire, and then the Lord just cut that off because I, I wanted to walk with Him. So it's not that, well, I try, I try. All you need to do is you walk with the Lord and you're serious with Him, and the try becomes do. You, you can do it. Not you, but Christ that lives in you. And so in verse 5 here, he says, He has quickened us together, or He has made us alive together with Christ. In Colossians, I'll, I'll just turn to Colossians 2. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. So it's not a matter of, you know, the Lord forgiving you. He's done it. See, he's forgiven you. Now it's time to move on. Back in Ephesians 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, we experience and should experience uh, the riches of his grace to a great degree now, here in our life. The grace of God touching us, the grace of God changing us, the grace of God directing us. But he says here that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So he's going to take this grace that we think we know and he's going to unfold that throughout the ages. (laughs) There's a lot there we don't know. But he's going to unfold that. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now this is what I want to show you this morning. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Now, workmanship means that which has been made, that which the Lord has done the work of God. See, the work of God becomes you. You are His workmanship. So the work is done on you. So what He wants from you and I is a surrender to Him 
allowing him to work in our life. You are his workmanship, and the reason or the basis of you becoming his workmanship, or you are his workmanship, is back in verse 5, where you see that we were dead in trespasses, and he has made us alive. He has made us alive. Without that, we can't be his workmanship. But we are his workmanship, created, and that word means to become a habitation. And if you look at the last verse in chapter 2 here, well, we'll go to verse 21. In whom the whole building fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a habitation, the King James says, New King James says, for a dwelling place, the same thing, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You're being made, or He's building, you're His workmanship, so that He can dwell in you, a habitation of God. It's not the church, the physical structure, but you. The church individually becomes his habitation. So, you know, the Lord wants to inhabit you more than you're aware of. But, you know, in the Old Testament, they, they took care of the temple. Did you know that? They didn't leave garbage or trash or things laying around in the temple So the priests kept the temple in order and clean. And once a year, we know that the Lord came down in his his presence in the Holy of Holies. Well, that says to me that God wants to inhabit a clean vessel. So in order for that to be, he will work to clean us up. He will work to cleanse us. He will work to purify us so that, you know, in in his habitation, in you, that, you know, things are being swept out so that, you know, there's not all this garbage there, all this this sin and all this, you know, stuff that the Lord doesn't want to be next to, if you know what I'm saying. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, or unto, the King James says, unto or for the purpose of, the reason this whole thing is going on, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what he wants to bring out from the life of a Christian. Now, the English word energy, the English word, I look this up in a book I have that gives you the etymology of words. It comes from the Greek word ergon, E-R-G-O-N. And that word there is translated work, works, in many places in the Bible. And it means toil, it means a thing done, or it means something accomplished. So... What is the energy used to accomplish a work? Well, in verse 2 we see there is energy here, the energia, energio, 
that is uh, infused in a person by the prince of the power of this world. So that can be what flows out of a person, this energy of the enemy that, that can come. Secondly, there is, turn to Matthew 7. There is such a thing as human energy. So some of you that might know more, I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot about certain things. But let's just say this is a cell in your body, physically, in your body. In this cell, there are mitochondria. And mitochondria in there take uh, the, the chemicals from the food you eat the nutrients, and they turn them into a chemical, and it produces out from the mitochondria this energy. And that energy is human energy. That human energy is what helped you get up out of bed and come to church. So in and of itself, that's a good thing, because if you didn't have that energy... Or a person, when they're ready to die, they lose. Their body can't produce that energy anymore. So they can't function. Their body starts breaking down and so on. So this is human energy. And it's, it's used, this, this word is used in this, the Greek New, Greek New Testament in various ways. So you have the energy of the enemy. You have human energy. Now look at this in, in Matthew 7. Now I believe that this here, what we're seeing in Matthew 7, is this human energy. So the human energy can bring you to church. Human energy can take you to work. It can, it can move you, you know, wherever. And as I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is a lot being done today. In Christendom, that is human energy, from what I can see. It's passed on as being the energy of God, but it's, it's not. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of, of God, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So the subject here is the will of God. The Lord is, is saying here that for all this here that in the kingdom to function, it has to function according to the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Prophecy is good, right? In your name. Cast out demons in your name. Remember Jesus, uh, his disciples come to him and they said, hey, we saw a man over here, and he's, he's casting out demon, but he's not with us. And Jesus said, you know, let him alone. If he's not against us, he's on our side. So this person that wasn't with them was casting out demons. He said, let him alone. So it says here that they cast out demons in your name and done many wonderful works in your name. So the context of what they did here has to be based upon verse 21, doing the will of God. A person can, for example, say, you know what? 
I think that I should go over to the soup kitchen and serve people. Now, that's a good, that's, that's a good thing to do. And it not be the will of the Father for them at that time. So now, what happens is they can do this work, and this human energy now brings them there, because they decided to go there, and now they're doing this work. Now, the other people will benefit from that, the people that are hungry and, and whomever. You know, people can be touched. But as far as that work, working in the worker, a close relationship with the Lord or a closer relationship with the Lord, that, that's missing. That whole thing's missing because they're moving in human energy. And so he goes on in verse 23. He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. The, the word knew is gnosko. It's a Greek word. It means to learn to know you or to become acquainted with you, to, to come together with you. It's talking about relationship. I, can't, I couldn't come together with you in that because you know, you're moving in human energy. You, you did what you thought. It wasn't my will for you to do that. I want somebody else to be over there. There is a, a such thing as moving in human energy. And sometimes Christians don't know the difference. You know, it's, it's nice to do good works. But good works, and by the way, that is a word that's added in a lot of places in the Bible. You'll see the word works, and you'll see the word good works. And I have some written down on my notes here. Good, good works, is referring to the nature of the thing. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but it's referring to the, the nature of that. So then you have, so you have... The, the God of this world, Satan, who can energize. You have human energy that can take a person and move a person. And then you have the energio of God or the spirit of God to move you to do the will and the purpose of God. So you have those three things. Now in Romans 8, just want to just show you this real quick. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised up uh, Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. The King James says, quicken your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, that can be a quickening that you know and you, you feel to quicken. But it can be a, a quickening that is not so readily I hate to use the word felt, but recognized. It may not be recognized as easily. So it may be just the spirit of the Lord just, oh, there's the direction. And then he, he energizes you to go in that way. And he even uses this because you need human energy to do the will of God. See, this is very, very, it's almost like parting, you know, it's like very close to understanding, okay, well, this is this, this is this, but the Lord can teach you these things. So the Lord, the Spirit of God can quicken you, and then in John, you don't have to turn there, 6.23. However, that's not right. Oh, here it is, 6.63. 
It is, it is the spirit who quickens, or the spirit that gives life. The flesh, the desires of the flesh, and all that, profits nothing, Jesus said. Then he says, my words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So it's the spirit who quickens, or it is the spirit who makes alive. So if you want more of the life of God, the, the Spirit will quicken you to move and walk in the will of the, of, of the Father. Okay, now, John 10, let me see here. Turn to Matthew 5. John 10 says this. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. So Jesus used the phrase good works. The word works, I didn't look this up, but it's probably ergon. It may not be. But here, here's the thing. This energio, energy, the, the, the ergon, I don't want to confuse you. Let's just do it the simple way. The energio stems from the word ergon, which is translated work. So the word work, many places in the Bible, is ergon, to toil, to accomplish something. Energio stems out from that, and then when you see them together sometimes, it's meaning the energy to accomplish something. It would be the easiest way to explain it. And, and that's why I said that can be a human energy, but we want the energy from the Spirit of God to accomplish His will in His purpose in a particular thing, whatever it may be, to do whatever. His energy in our life. So in Matthew 5:16, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Whose good works? Your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, what makes works good? What makes works good? First of all, it being the will of God. Secondly, it not being human energy that's totally by itself accomplishing the work. And thirdly, it is to be, and it is, an extension of the work of God, the work of Christ in the individual. So that is why you have become his workmanship, so that he works in your life, in you, to change you, to clean you up, to get you moving along the right way, so that you now, because you have, as it says in Romans 8, 29, he has predestined you to be conformed to the image of Christ. So he starts to develop the, um, the nature or the characteristics of Jesus Christ in you, so that whenever you do the work, it is based upon or it is an extension of the work that Christ has done in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that, see, it's no longer just your work, although the Lord says this is your, your work. Let your works, your, let them see your good works. But see, that comes not through human energy, but it's the Spirit of God who has worked in you and now is working out from you 
to accomplish some good work. See, so you'll see this. There, it's at least 10 scriptures, if not more, that use the phrase good works. And I did write that down here somewhere. Where is it? A good works, the word good, means excellent in nature. And why is it excellent in nature? Well, because of the, the excellent nature of the one who performs it. See, so works can be pretty, you know, no wonder the Lord's going to judge us, or, or as it says in, I think it's Corinthians, he judge, judges our works, or, or he judges us according to our works. Not judges because, or, or from our works, but according to our works. Be, because the works can come out and them not be right. The Lord showed me this years and years ago, not, not some of this, but the, the very base, basic part of this years ago. And what he showed me was that he wanted to work in my life, in me, so that whatever I would do would come out the right way. It would be the way the Lord wanted it. And that's not easy to recognize when that's not, I mean, when you see works, it's not easy to recognize whether that's, you know, the Lord knows what that is. You know, we don't need to be concerned about it. The person that came to my mind right away in the Bible, uh, as far as an example of a good work, was, was Mary of Bethany, where she anointed Jesus' feet and wiped him with her hair. So, I mean, that was a good work. And the reason why it was a good work, if you read about Mary, she always seems to be the sitting one. Martha's always the, the one that's in activity. Mary's the one that sits before the Lord. And even when he, he came before he let, raised Lazarus, she was, she was sitting. And she got up right away when he summoned her. So, so there's, in her, the Lord had done something. And when she does this to the Lord, that this is a good work. In 2 Timothy, turn there. 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So you see here in this verse uh, that the Lord wants to clean the individual up. If anyone cleanses himself, that means that there's something that you and I have to do. You know, self-cleansing is you know, the Lord shows you something and then you follow through on it. So you cleanse yourself, uh, then you will be a vessel for honor, sanctified or set aside and useful for the master, prepared for, now you're prepared for good works. So that if the cleansing doesn't occur, then the works might not be good. There'll be works, but they might not be considered good works in the eyes of the Lord. Do you see that? Can you see that in that verse? You can talk to me. I'll let you. And then let me read a verse in Hebrews. To make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight. So you can see in, in a lot of these verses 
the relationship between the work of the Spirit of God in the individual and the work he wants to come out. Let me read that again. He would make you complete in every good work to do his will. See, to do his will, it's in there again. Working in you, in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight. So the, the workmanship is you, and he cleans you up, and as you and I you know, walk with him, we cooperate with him in that, and now we're set for good work. So all we, need, all we need now is the direction, the will of God. Do this, go here, you know, whatever it may be. And it doesn't matter if you don't feel you're qualified or not. You, you step forth and you do whatever it may be. And the Lord considers that a good work, good works. Now in Revelation 19, verse 8. And to her, this is speaking of um, the bride, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteousness, the King James says, the righteousness, the New King James says, the righteous acts. If you look up the word righteousness here in Strong's, it will say righteous acts. So the, the fine linen that the bride wears, the bride of Christ, is the righteous acts uh, of the saints. She or they become the, the reflection, the righteous acts become the reflection of the obedient heart. So they, she obeys or you obey uh, in a particular work. And that becomes the righteous acts or good works. And that is what the Lord uses to dress uh, the bride, the fine linen. See, the fine linen is the righteous acts, not just the acts of saints or Christians, but the righteous acts, the good works. I believe that's what it means. Are you seeing this? Titus 3.8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful, listen, should be careful to maintain good works. It doesn't say that you should just do good works. It says that you should be careful, and that's subjunctive mood, the person can do that or not, should be careful to maintain good works, good works. Not just works, good works. So there's something there. See, when you read a verse like that, you have to look at it and say, well, what's, what's going on here? Maintain good works? What's good works? Oh, it's what I, what I feel to do as a Christian. No, it's not. It must be the will of God. It must not be human energy alone. And it is to come out from the work of Christ in the individual. That's three things I see. There may be more, but those three things I see. And let me read this from Hebrews. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Jeez, it's mentioned with love. Good works. Colossians says, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being, listen to this, being fruitful in every good work. 
how are you to be fruitful? How is it fruitfulness in every good work? What's that mean? See, it is to be correct in all those three things. Then it's a good work. It's not just, well, let me see. Uh, I think I'm just going to go to the mission field. You know people do that. They say, well, you know, okay, I'm going to get involved with this group over here because they send missionaries out all the time, um, and they help finance them and you know, give them a country to go to. And I want to do a work. I, I think I should go to the mission field. There are people that should never be on the mission field. And if you were ever on the mission field with somebody and you, you saw someone who shouldn't be there, you would say, uh, maybe I should be a little more careful. <laughs> now, that's not to say the Lord can't send you to the mission field. That's a good thing. But it must be the will of God. It must not be human energy. And that comes out from the Spirit of God working in you. So the first time I went to Guatemala... I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was to go there. And it was a good thing, because when I stepped off the plane, I was in a whirlwind. Now, I, I know people go on the mission field all the time and don't run into some of the things I ran into. It was like a whirlwind, and all kinds of things went wrong as soon as we got off the plane. And it was, I, I just sat there and I said, okay, Lord, I shared this in class, you know. I was sitting there with the bags by myself, and this guard walks over with a semi-automatic automatic weapon. You're not used to seeing that in the airports around here. He's walking over, and he's looking at me like, what are you doing here? I couldn't tell him what I was doing if he would ask me. So that was the first thing. And then from that point on, things just, until we got to the seminar, the pastor seminar, and then the Lord... The Lord showed me some things there. But every time I've ever gone on the mission field, and I went to Guatemala four times, every single time, every time there was something. And then when I went to Peru, it was same thing, same thing. But see, I'm not choosing to go or to do anything. It's not my choice to even get up here and teach. See, it must be, the Lord, I know the Lord showed me to teach, so I teach until he shows me not to, but I don't think he's going to do that. But he's teach, okay, I'll teach. But to go to the mission field, I have to hear from the Lord somehow. In my spirit, I have to know. Not that I hear audibly, but I have to know that, okay, this is time for you to go. Uh, I, uh, people make decisions and just do. They want to go here. They want to do this. They want to do that. You know, they want to go to the jail. I would not necessarily want to go to the jail if I wasn't feeling the Lord wanted me to go there. I know the Lord wants me to go there, but I wouldn't want to go there because you, well, you know. You see, so people can do works, and they can be moved by human energy and the thought of doing something good for someone. But that's not how it's to work in Christianity. See, he is to be the one who is to energize you. He is to be the one to move you. He is to be the one that leads you, not your human energy. But now once you have the direction, once you have the leading, once you know, 
then you say, okay, Lord, I need some energy now. You know, you're on a mission field, and sometimes you're like spent. Bill Pepper told me, he says, if you go to the mission field down in Peru, he says, expect to teach for eight hours. When I was down last time, let me see, two, four, I I was teaching five hours a day. And I said, Lord, I don't know if my voice could even hold up that long. But I had a break in between. So maybe it's time for a no break. I don't know. But see, to do any of this, to go to the soup kitchen, to go to the jail, to do anything that is considered good works as far as Christians thinking, you must know the will of God, the direction. No, this is the direction for me. Not because you want to go or don't want to go. That has nothing to do with it. This is the direction. Don't depend on human energy. This is the fourth time I've said this. And... Hopefully, the Lord has been working in your life, putting the character of Christ to some measure, to some degree, in you, so that when you're called to do something, what comes out now is based upon the purity of your heart, and then it becomes a good work with all these things being what they should be. And now the Lord can not only bless the people, but he still continues to do a good work on you in the work. He works on the worker in the work. And so now, when the good works are what they are to be, there is like a full spectrum now of the work of God taking place. Not just, I'm doing this for the benefit of people that don't have anything to to eat. But now they benefit, I benefit, and all the people around benefit. And that's the way the Lord wants. That we would move in the Holy Spirit to do what it is that is to be done and the way it is to be done. A living water, he that believeth, scripture has said, rivers of living.